Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. Pete, how are you doing today? Three things, Chris. I have just discovered that I've become painfully middle class. Number one this morning, I ordered a John Lacare book on the Waitrose app. Uh, number two... I went to the shops for some oat milk, and then number three, uh, I've just dropped my AirPods in a uh, on my um, avocado on toast. So for those three reasons, and those three reasons alone, I would like to um, disassociate myself from my working-class Hartley Puddling roots and uh, apologize to everyone uh, who I ever made think that I was in any way a bit of rough. But most importantly, is the avocado still edible? Well, I, that's the problem, though, isn't it? The AirPod, like your AirPods, go everywhere. It's like your mobile phone. There's probably more disease on your AirPods than anything. And I'm not even boasting that I've got AirPods, but uh, I'm, I, I do need them for my work. So up yours, the tax deductible, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> Oat milk, though, I've I had it for the first time recently. Mm. It's all right. I'm, I'm, I, it's, I'm kind of it's been... manageable, isn't it? It's manageable. It just tastes like milk that's gone the wrong direction. Soy milk kind of works. Just trying to avoid milk altogether these days. Part of my healthy lifestyle of no milk. I suppose oat milk's healthy though, right? Yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's healthy. I don't think it's very good for the environment. So I, I, you oh. can't bloody win, can you? You can't bloody win. Uh, but the problem is you've got to shake it up before you drink it. And so when you pour it into the uh, cup of tea or cup of coffee, it's like quite, um, it's all fluffy. Pulpy. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> It's all fluffy and pulpy. Fluffy, pulpy oat milk for mm. your middle-class yeah, right. lifestyle. Yep. And you've moved to the country as well. You really are turning oh. into a middle-class rascal, aren't you? I know. I just happened? awful. I mean, it's awful. I've become everything that I hate about myself. Uh, I've got to make sure what the right recycling goes out <laughs> at the right time. It's very depressing. Uh, but at least, Pete, really, really you is. definitely watched the brand new Abroad in Japan video about owning a sushi restaurant, right? You watched it, right? Sorry, mate, I'm just at uh, 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 I can't, can't talk right now. Can't talk. 
You didn't watch it, did you? I didn't watch it, Chris, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't watch your sushi restaurant video about owning a sushi restaurant, but I'm going to watch it on my computer as soon as we finish this podcast. I promise. You were contractually obliged, as part of the Abroad in Japan podcast, to watch and devour every episode of Abroad in Japan without question, Pete, and you have breached that contract. Too busy dropping your bloody AirPods into avocados and enjoying your oat milk. <laughs> Disgusting. Listen, what is an obligation anyway? We don't know. We don't really know a contractual obligation. If it's, if it's an obligation, I don't have to do it, do I? Up yours, everyone. Up yours. Damn you. What's it about? <laughs> it's about owning a sushi restaurant, isn't it? It's oh, the title okay. says what Fair it is. Dues. Fair dues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> job. About five years ago, I was at a party in Sendai, and uh, it, like Ryotaro dragged me along to some meetup thing, and there was loads of mm. business leaders and CEOs in Sendai, and I was a bit out of my depth, yeah. right? Because as you imagine, most Japanese managers are like sixty, and I was like a twenty-six-year-old mm. guy who was like, oh, "I've got a YouTube channel," and they were like, "Get out." What are you doing here? You don't belong. Uh, but it was like a young, a really nice young guy um, in his early 30s who had lived in Canada for a bit. He spoke English. We got on quite well. I think as he was one of the young people there as well, right? And uh, I was like, what do you do then, Satoshi? Uh, and he was like, well, I own the biggest sushi chain in like North Japan. And I, I'm, I own an empire. And I was like, oh, wow. fair enough. I just thought you were a nice, friendly guy in his 30s. But no, the CEO, president, owner of a massive sushi empire. And from that day onwards, we uh, always joked about making a, a video on a in Japan and just never did for like five years. Uh, but this year, finally, had a bit of free time. We got our schedules together. We stopped joking about it and we actually did it. And uh, it was great. Yeah. I, um, it's you know you know how difficult it is to film inside places in Japan, right, Pete? And uh, yeah, to get inside stuff. Well, yeah, and to get inside a, a sushi restaurant was was fantastic. And to interview the head chef, who was really cool, uh, spend a day with Satoshi Ueno, the uh, the owner, just hear what it's like, both as an owner of a sushi restaurant and as a young CEO in Japan, because it is so unheard of. Um, mm. His dad, who set it up, he just sort of said, I think his dad retired at the age of in his late fifties, maybe, and just sort of said, look, while I'm still young and you're young, you should take over and you can be young and use your innovative thinking to, to run the company, which is quite a, yeah. a bold move. But, uh, yeah, it was good fun. I also learned, uh, well, I, I knew it already, but when I was interviewing the head chef, which is my favorite part of the video, uh, he just talks about what it's like to prepare sushi and how it takes like 20 years to learn it. And, but he revealed the one thing you must never do at a sushi restaurant. And do you know what it is, Pete? Can you guess what it is, even though you haven't seen the video? Uh, the caterpillar. The dance move, the caterpillar. It's very disrespectful. <laughs> what is the caterpillar? Is that where you stand um, up and wave your arms? Oh, no, you no, lay down you, the floor, you, right? No, you lay on the floor and do like a little kind of like uh, an undulation uh, that rolls from the back to the front of your body, like a, like a caterpillar walks effectively. Uh, and it's very fair. disrespectful to the sushi owners because you're basically saying that um, microbes and worms live in the food. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, they'd probably prefer you did that to the one thing that he didn't want me to do. Uh, <laughs> right. Basically, a sushi chef doesn't like it when they hand you the sushi, right? The uh, you know, say you've got a bit of onigiri, onigiri mm. sushi, some salmon or mm. tuna on top. Yeah, take the tuna off and then 
dip it in the soy sauce and sort of yeah. marinate it and smother it and then stick it back on the rice, then eat it because they take so much time and precision to get the balance of the rice correct, to get the right yeah. amount of wasabi, to cut the amount of sushi, to kind of marinate it gently with soy sauce. And if you remove the fish, it kind of destroys all that. It unravels it all and ruins mm. it. And uh, yeah, he said uh, he, he hated that. So you can do the caterpillar all you want, mate, but just don't take the sushi. <laughs> just, just don't, don't take do the it. fish off the rice. Yeah. The, you sort of look at the you sort of look at the way that the um the way that uh they spend a lot of time uh, doing it and then people do just dip the whole thing in soy sauce before they've even started because they like the soy sauce. It's like it's akin to old people uh, in Britain where they'll get served some food and they'll just smash loads of salt over the top of it without even looking at what like looking at it or tasting what the food tasted like before you put the salt on it, which is just crazy, really. I I'd, I'd, I'd never understood that. Just ruins it, doesn't it? All the hard work and preparation. But yeah, check it out though, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't seen it yet, do check it out. It's uh, oh, it's a good video. It's a little 20-minute documentary and uh, I'm really glad I was finally able to do it. The hard part though mm. was... In uh, on it was it was filmed over two days. And on the second day, I had to get up at four a.m. to film in this fish market, right? And you know how awful I am at early mornings, Pete. Uh, because mm. whenever I, I always have to do something involving fish at four a.m. Um, <laughs> but like you know, when you have to get up really early in the morning, and you yeah. your body's just like, no, you're not going to sleep. Ha ha ha! No. It did that, yeah. and I had no sleep. I had to go around a fish market, film an auction go to the sushi restaurant, film all day, do interviews, taste the sushi. And the problem is because I had no sleep, you can like just see how rubbish I am at reviewing and presenting this video. <laughs> like I get the sushi that he spent like two hours preparing. And I go, oh, that's good, isn't it? Oh, mm, delicious. There's like no interesting commentary from me because um, <laughs> I, I just had no sleep. I remember when we got up really, really early. We'd had like three hours sleep. We'd got to sleep at about two and we were up at five you had or three. It was crazy. I had like yeah, one. I had three work. You had one. And we went out on the on the boats with the with the um, seaweed fishermen and then we came back and you were chatting to some of the seaweed fishermen at a place near Sendai with uh, Ryotaro. And uh, it really made me giggle because ha- halfway through you were like um, doing like pieces to camera while Ryotaro helped film. And uh, you were going, Pete, what should I say this bit? And I was going, how about this? And then you went, no. Because <laughs> you were tired, so you couldn't think of anything to say. I was trying to give you advice, but I was so tired I couldn't think of anything to say. And you just ended up just doing your own thing anyway. So I think I was invaluable in that video in that I was giving you terrible advice that you should never take. Uh, but I just enjoyed the fact that it was just it was just three men who had no kind of sleep. Apart from Riotro, <laughs> who's probably used to getting up really early. It was a disaster. Let's not sugarcoat it. <laughs> and yet it turned out all right after all, right? It's one, it's weird. Like even on no sleep, when you're filming a video, you get this kind of adrenaline rush. Or I guess, mm. I guess if you're doing anything, right? If you're doing anything yeah. practical, you get this adrenaline rush and that powers you through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it turned out all right. And luckily I'm barely in the video. It's not about me. It's about sushi mm. and chefs and food and tuna. So check it out, guys, on the Abroad Japan channel, owning a sushi restaurant in Japan. What is it like? Hopefully that video mm. will clear it's- it up for you. Does Satoshi dream of sushi? Is the question. <laughs> he does That's not. What I want to know. He does, he does not, not dream right. of sushi. Right. He dreams. He dreams of trees. Um, <laughs> but you'll see why if you watch the video. Or I can spoil it now by telling you that he he plants trees along the coastline to help the sea, which is something I didn't realise was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. He's got this. His company's got this initiative where 
They've been uh, planting trees along the Tohoku coastline that got buggered by the tsunami, destroyed by the tsunami. They've been planting trees because apparently most of the fish you catch and eat is they're actually near the coastline, right? And if there's not enough nutrients in the soil and it doesn't go into the sea, then apparently there's less fish stocks. So I'd never really made that connection. Yeah, yeah. So he dreams of trees, which is is not as good as sushi, but it's great. It's a noble aim. (laughs) Wonderful. Fantastic. Lovely. And now we turn our attention to the story of the week. Let's kick Mm. off with a story. In the last couple of episodes, we've talked about cults recently. The topic of cults in Japan has been coming up again uh, because turns out most of our Listeners seem to be approached by people in Japan, but we never get to the point where someone actually goes to a cult. And until now, though we've spent two years on and off, we've had various cult stories of people being approached by uh, folks from like a religious cult and trying to be Mm. indoctrinated. We've never had a story, have we, uh, where someone's actually followed through and gone to one, but we do today. Andrew from the Sunshine Coast, Australia, and it begins. Hello there, Chris and Pete. On the last show, someone emailed in about how they had declined joining some old woman to a Buddhist cult. I had a similar experience, except I didn't decline, and I followed the two women onto the train. In the winter of 2017, I was passing through Ikebukuro Station in Tokyo, and I was approached by two 30-year-old women. After exchanging a few words, they immediately sprung upon me some shifty-looking pamphlets about how their brand of Buddhism would bring about world peace and happiness. Brilliant. I was sceptical, though, and refused them a number of times, but eventually my curiosity got the better of me, and I accepted, as I wanted to see what a Japanese cult was like. The two women took me onto the train, and we arrived in what can only be described as the middle of nowhere in Tokyo. They took me into their shrine, which was nothing more than an office building situated in the middle of a quiet residential area. Before we made our way into the main prayer hall, prayer hall, which was on the second floor of the office, they handed me a prayer book written in Japanese and some prayer beads. They explained me. They explained to me the rules of the prayer book. How every time the phrase "namyo." Namyo ho rengekyo came up. I had to repeat it three times. They also instructed me uh, in the ways that I had to sit and hold the beads. After the explanation, they whisked me away to the front of the hall where we sat in front of a gold-plated altar. An elderly man meditated in front of the altar and began a soothing read of the Buddhist prayers. I was expected to follow along with the impassioned chants promoted by the two women, keeping a close eye on me. The process took 40 minutes and we we chanted the entire 40-page book. The next part, though, is the most interesting part. The cult, it seems, uh, is some sort of pyramid scheme. I was taken into initiation ceremony where a woman spoke to me in really fast Japanese. She then coerced me into signing a bunch of documents that officiated my membership into the club. The two women who took me there to the session received some sort of award. It seems they got promoted for bringing people to join their questionable religion. At the end of it, the two women wanted my address and contact details. They wanted to send me things related to the cult. I gave them a fake address and after adding them on Facebook, I immediately blocked them. I were quite persistent that I should bring my friends next time I come. I said I would waved them goodbye and never saw them again overall it was an unforgettable experience and one that i would have again when i was in korea but that's a story for another time sorry for the long email andrew from the sunshine coast in australia good god 
that ch- chanting what? for 40 minutes. Can you imagine? <laughs> why Why are all of the Australian uh, emailers recently just people who will happily just go with the floor? We had the lad who, uh, the big guy, who uh, went and just um, got drugged deliberately, um, handing over a 2,000 yen note. And now this guy who's just happily, you know, risking losing his, uh, losing his organs uh, to a cult. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? It's always Australians. Yeah. Uh, it's this, like the mm. second week in a row. Um, that's interesting. It's, I didn't realise it was some sort of pyramid scheme where they get awarded or get like a reward for bringing people in. It mm. seems like a, a really quick way to grow a religion, right? You bring your friend in, put your phone number and name down. Great, remember now, bring someone else in, get an award. Like yeah. It's interesting. I never realised it was like that. On the upside, at least it's only a Buddhist cult, so it can't be that bad. You know, Buddhism mm. <laughs> can it can it go horribly wrong? Well, I, mean, I, I think I think I think you know Christianity can go horribly wrong in the yeah, wrong true. hands, isn't it? Pretty much every major religion's had had some bad eggs um, turning it to evil towards evil, so to speak. So yeah, interesting though. Like, I, I like the idea that that, that um, you know you, it, it is like a, a pyramid scheme, and you know people get mm. rewards either financially or through beads uh, or otherwise um, for, for for bringing people in. Fascinating. Would you be tempted to go along if someone approached you? Would you go with the flow, so to speak? Yeah, I go. I've taken. I, I'm not Catholic. I've taken communion before in Catholic school. I, I've been. I've, I've taken the the, the uh, Jesus's body and, and blood. You've taken Jesus's body. Yeah. Oh God. So is it the transubstantiation or is it the transfiguration? I forget which one is the one where bodies where Jesus's body becomes the bread and the blood becomes the wine. Uh, one one I can't remember. It's one of the two, or maybe not even that. Uh, those two. Well, maybe it's another one. Well, all I know. Jesus ended up in Almory, didn't he? That's that's the only thing I know. He did, yeah. All I know about Jesus is uh, Jesus is a rock and he rolls our blues away, hey, 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 uh, which is a song <laughs> that a church group sang when they visited my school once. Uh, but they refused to do keep their guitar in tune, which is very upsetting to, I think, everyone concerned. A painful memory that's <laughs> transcended mm. time. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but be advised, though. Be aware, ladies and gentlemen, next time you're in Ikebukuro. It always seems to be Ikebukuro as well. We had another story mm. the other week, didn't we, where uh, another listener was in Ikebukuro and a politician was waving to people to try and get votes. And they just punched the politician just punched the guy in the stomach in a sort of friendly <laughs> way that went a bit uh, too far. While it was all being filmed as well for the politician's PR yeah. reel. Always Ikebukuro. Always. Always Ikebukuro. <laughs> we should go there. We should just linger around Ikebukuro Station for a day and see what happens. Yeah. And, uh, Magic. God knows. Get punched by a politician or whisked away to a cult. What will happen next? <laughs> Choose your own adventure. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. In our daily lives, we all carry around with us different stressors. They can be big, they can be small, and sometimes we might not even realise that we're carrying them around with us. But if these feelings stay bottled up, they can start to affect us negatively, which is why having a positive outlet for discussion can be such a valuable tool for your well-being. Therapy can be a perfect outlet for your inner stressors. It's a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just speaking things out into the open can be such a great release of inner tension. So you can spend less time stressing about the issue and more time figuring out how you can overcome it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Japan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Japan. Hi, I'm Nicole Goodman. And I'm Lauren Mishcon. In 2020, self-care can seem like yet another overwhelming job for women. Every week, we test out a new kind of self-care so you don't have to. Firstly, can we just clarify how we pronounce it? Kombucha? Kombucha. Yeah. Kombucha. Kombucha. Self-care club. Wellness road tested. So that was the first yeah. day. You know, it was just the not slipping into the complete default mode of what I normally do, which is have a go at my husband for what he hasn't done. And, you know, all of that stuff, I kind yeah. of stopped. Okay, so it was more the absence of meanness rather than the projection <laughs> of kindness at this initial point. Yes. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your pods. This week we are testing out menstrual cups. How are you feeling? Dreading it. I know that you love to give a practice that's all about down below. I'm not interested. I've never even really thought about it since before I met you. You've no. never thought about your vagina until you met me. It doesn't get a lot of air <laughs> doesn't get a lot of air time. No, it doesn't. The Self-Care Club is a Stakano production. Now, we've got an interesting story. This week, um, a Japanese survey revealed the most desirable prefecture to settle down in in Japan. Now, there's 47 prefectures in Japan, right? Hmm. But which one do you think, Pete, hit the top of the list? And I must say, I'm surprised which one it was. Hmm. Um, I know which one it is, but do you? Can you guess? I know which one it is. <laughs> I don't know which one it is. Um, would it not? Would it not be somewhere really nice and hot and beachy and lots of like nice kind of uh, beaches and, 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 and rivers and and seaside towns? So I'd probably go for like somewhere in Okinawa or something like that. Well, Okinawa was ranked as number two, so close. Oh, well, there Pretty you good, go. Close. Good guess. Yeah. Good guess. Number one. Not a clue. Not a clue. Um, well, all right, the exact opposite, Hokkaido. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, it's it's Hokkaido. Oh, Hokkaido really? Was ranked That's as hilarious. The most desirable prefecture. You know that because I've written it down and I forgot to delete the word Hokkaido, don't you? Yes, you did. Yeah, I was. I was trying to play. It. I was playing along with it. I was playing along with it, Chris. But as always, you've you've exposed your own ad- administrative stupidity. Uh, so feel free to expose mine too. 
God damn it. I, uh, I, wrote, I sent the article to Pete, ladies and gentlemen, but I took the word Hokkaido out of everywhere except one line, and so he saw it. And it ruined the surprise. God damn it. This, well, this the whole URL wouldn't have worked otherwise, would it? Yeah, wouldn't have worked. But yes, no, Hokkaido, weirdly, is number one spot. I was surprised because I find Japanese people just don't like cold weather. Like, they hate cold weather. Um, mm. And Hokkaido is absolutely freezing in winter. Um mm. They didn't go into much detail as to why. I think it was to do with Hokkaido's cuisine. It's got a strong sense of culture. And in the summer, it is one of the best places in the country to visit. And maybe yeah. because they did the survey in the summer, maybe people were thinking, I wish I could go somewhere slightly cool right now. Oh, yeah, Hokkaido. Um, mm. But it's the second year in a row that uh, Hokkaido's taken the first spot. But interestingly, and perhaps unsurprisingly, a lot of uh, a lot of cities have actually dropped down quite a long way. Um Last year, Tokyo was the fourth most desirable place to live, right? But it fell 29 spots to 33rd place this year because of the coronavirus. People were kind of wishing they weren't living in the city now. Um, and so that's actually kind of a, an upside in some respects that the virus might encourage people to reconsider living in the rural regions that have been so badly devastated in the last few decades due to the uh, declining populations and people moving to the cities. So it could be one of the rare good things to come out of this whole disastrous situation that people choose to live in the countryside more going forward. What do you reckon? Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess... um uh, certainly, with, with the with the uh, outbreak of, of COVID and people working from home, um, you would presume, thanks to the excellent um, uh, internet infrastructure uh, in Japan, much better than anywhere else in the world, you would say, <clears throat> people um, could probably uh, work more remotely and, and work out in the sticks. I've been watching this guy on uh, YouTube um, doing a restoring an old. Um, it's like a house that has. Um, it's, it's basically a free house um, that, that that someone has uh, the, 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 out in the sticks. I think his house in mm. particular is out uh, like an hour away from like the commuter belt of uh, Tokyo. And, um, yeah, it's just this rancid old um, rotten wooden house. Uh, and he's just sort of slowly sort of piling through it and, and, and fixing it up. And <clears throat> and he had to sort of go through the process of like obviously, obviously bidding on an auction. Uh, so he got a very affordable house, but there had to be um, all of these hidden fees added. And he always, obviously has to renovate the whole thing. And, and he spent so much time just, just, just fixing up this house. And he's done a lovely job, a really, really beautiful job. It's, um, I mean, it's quite. I know a friend who had a similar thing. It's quite common in mm. these rural areas, right, where the population is dramatically declining. They are just mm. giving away houses. Um, a friend People of mine abandoned houses, and and, and especially well, yeah. if there's um, debts debts um, accrued on the house as well. If you can pay mm. off those debts, you get to keep the house. Absolutely. Um, it's important to point out that houses in Japan don't last that long. It's not like the UK where they're made out of bricks and they last forever. Uh, in Japan, I think the life the lifespan of a house is somewhere between like 30 to 40 years maybe before it really needs some serious renovation as a part as opposed to the uk but um yeah no my friend got a house an old woman i think she was getting too old to live in the place and she just sort of said do you want my house and he was like yeah all right and that was it that was, that was all there was crazy. two and she moved out and he got a house yeah. crazy yeah wild Absolutely wild. And that was in Yamagata Prefecture, which is 40th place um, on the on the survey of 47 prefectures, oh, which is a shame. Them. It's, it's a shame. You've been to Yamagata. You've seen how beautiful it is. But yeah, Yamagata's often the butt of all jokes in Japan. It's often right. seen as like a backwards place. Uh, I can't think. What's the, what's the UK equivalent of Yamagata? What's a, a place we make fun of? Or in the US, for example. 
Um, oh, I don't know. Um, where the, where's the part where people say a boot? No, it's Canada, isn't it? Um, Canada. Uh, probably the South, isn't it? People sort of think that like people are a little bit backwards in the South, but I've been to the South quite a lot and I completely disagree. Yeah. I, I don't know. I can't think of anything in the UK, but I, it's a shame. I mean, I've Birmingham. tried to do what I can. Birmingham, yeah, Hartlepool, Newcastle. It's just anybody who's got, who's got a, a flamboyant accent, people think they're a bit backwards. Are you a bit backwards, Pete? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I am backwards, massively backwards. Dropping your bloody AirPods <laughs> in the avocado. Of course you're backwards. I know. And I not know, watching right? abroad in Japan. It's disgraceful. <clears throat> Absolutely disgraceful. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame. Maybe I've got to put some more effort into promoting Yamagata, my spiritual Japanese home prefecture, uh, going forward, given it is so lay. But uh, the in terms of the top five list, though, number one was Hokkaido. Number two was Okinawa. Uh, number three, Fukuoka. Number four, uh, Ishikawa which is home to uh, Kanazawa, and number five, Osaka, which is a surprise in some respects, given it's a massive city. But Osaka still kind of has that cool aura around it, doesn't it? It's still the cool place to be. It's still the kitchen of Japan. Um, And I would love to very much go back there, given that the last time I was there was with you, actually. That's two years ago. That seems like such a long time ago, my word. Where would you choose to live, though? On the subject of uh, living in Japan, if you could live anywhere... Where would you go? I would probably live in Fukuoka because it's a city, but it's massive. Uh, you get a bit of the seaside uh, if you fancy it. And also everyone's really, really lovely and the food's nice. So Food yeah, Fukuoka, always warm, always nice. The people are lovely, smashing. Super trendy. As for me, mm. I mean, I, I, I choose where I've, I've chosen where I live already. And uh, that's Sendai Miyagi Prefecture, which is 15th place, dropped down from 11th place last year. So it's had a bit mm. of a fall from grace. But uh, yeah, I still I think see. it's a great place to be. It's uh, like the heart of Tohoku, given that uh, it's mm. the biggest city in North Japan. It's an amazing place. Fantastic yeah. stuff. There you go. If you move to Hokkaido, if you ever end up in Hokkaido, well done, ladies and gentlemen. You will have ended up in the most popular, most desirable prefecture to settle down in, in all of Japan. And with that, we turn our attention to the fax machine. What have we got this week in the fax machine, Mr. Dawson? Oh, it's time for the fax machine. Monica from New York City, lovely part of the world. Hello, Monica. Hi, Pink Chris. Thanks so much for uh, still keeping on with the pods and the videos. Um, that's quite all right, Monica. Uh, <laughs> I imagine the videos are a lot harder work than the pods, but they are more frequent than the old pods. Um, I wanted to respond to Lady Brittany's recent fax. Oh, yeah, Lady Brittany. I forgot what Lady Brittany. Um, one, I'm also female. Two, my mother comes from the Dominican Republic and my father is African-American. Uh, number three, during my first trip to Japan, I had two nose rings, uh, leopard print glasses, frizzy curly hair, and I'm plus size. Needless to say, I definitely did not appear to fit in with the Japanese people around me. The only time I recall really being stared at was while I was waiting to board an elevator. And when the doors opened, another black person was on the other side. We were both caught off guard for a moment as that was the least of what we were expecting. And we just kind of stared at each other in amazement. That's hilarious. Uh, I've been to Japan twice now and I'm waiting for the COVID situation to ease up a bit, so I'm glad my third trip. I've um, transitioned to uh, locks recently, uh, so I wonder how that will be perceived next time. So far, I've uh, travelled solo around Tokyo, Osaka, Kyoto, and Nagoya. Each time I met a lot of kind and fun people, Japanese and other foreigners. If anything, I feel, I feel as though my appearance draw more people to me or drew more people to me. Uh, I, it also helped that I practice a little bit of Japanese. If you plan on doing this, just be patient with yourself. It's hard. You will somehow make progress. All that said, you'll have an amazing time. There's nothing to worry about straightening your head to fit in. They'll accept you as you are. Maybe get ahead of yourself and start planning on your second and third trip because no doubt you'll be returning again. Monica from New York City. 
you've brought joy to our hearts and joy to the podcast. So thank you for your message. Absolutely. And for some context, uh, Lady Brittany was a, a listener who last week came to us and asked us for our experiences on what it's like to be a black woman in Japan. And uh, unfortunately, Pete and I haven't got much first-hand experience of that. Did my best, um, mate. Did my best. <laughs> you know me. I'll have a go at anything. <laughs> oh, God. But uh, yeah, that's that's interesting insight. So actually, it was a, it was beneficial from Monica's perspective. Although that was a holiday, not to work. So mm. it would be interesting to hear from someone who has lived in Japan long term what that was like. Um, and as I said last week, uh, there's a great YouTuber, Kimushi Chan. Kimushi Chan. Um, the host's name is uh, Loretta, and she's a black woman living in Japan. And uh, she has a really interesting perspective on life in Japan. I highly recommend checking out her channel. Uh, and we have got a message now from Chris from the Philippines. Good name, Chris. Hi, Chris and Pete. Mm. Hope you two are doing well. Lucky enough to have been in Japan early this year before things went bad. Hope you and your listeners will find my story interesting, though. Being an introvert, I haven't really had many interesting encounters with a local or a fellow tourist in Japan, except for one which I still cannot forget. I had this awkward experience on a train in Osaka. I got on and managed to secure a seat. The train got crowded, and after a few stops, um, a woman stood in front of me. Trying to be a gentleman, I offered my seat, but instead of taking it, she just looked at me. I immediately realized she might be thinking that I thought of her as pregnant or as an old woman and got her offended. I quickly turned away and hoped her eyes will never meet again during the trip. Um, is it not common in Japan for men to offer their seats to women, aside from the elderly and the pregnant woman, of course? Um, Chris from the Philippines. I guess not. No, I guess that culture doesn't really exist, right? I remember when I discovered that uh, in Japan, men always go through the door first. I remember... Right. Um, when I was uh, started teaching, I let one of my colleagues go through the door. I sort of held open the door for them. And they just found it a bit awkward and weird, kind of like they didn't know what to do um, because that doesn't exist in Japan. I I thought that it was just because in Japan, men are viewed as being better, um, <laughs> which kind of to some extent is accurate. Uh, men run the show in many ways, unfortunately, uh, and women to get the back seat. But Ryotaro remains that Ryotaro was adamant that. Uh, it was because in the days of the samurai, you did that. So you got in through the, you got into the room first to check there was no ninja or no murderers in there right, um, yeah. for safety reasons, which I'm not entirely sure I'm buying unless I see some written evidence of that. I just think that's just Ryotaro's excuse for not being an yeah. upstanding gentleman. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I'm, I guess, look, th- times are changing. You, you, you've got to be a little bit more cognizant and understanding of the fact that um, you may do something that you're brought up uh, doing, which is certainly something that I, I, I would do. You know, um, men stand on the outside of the um, pavement as you walk down the street to protect from puddles from the cars. Uh, and, you know, um, you always let uh, women uh, and obviously obviously children through first uh, through a doorway. Um, so, yeah, and, and obviously um, offer women your seat. And, and that's something that I grew up with but that's not something that everyone grew up with and things are changing and 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 sometimes your actions can be seen as more lauded than they they actually are uh in this situation uh maybe uh this woman thought that indeed uh the the, the person in question chris from uh, the philippines was was thinking that, that that she was either old or pregnant so it's 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 troubling and it's worrying but you look just just do your best and if you can explain yourself <laughs> i'm sorry but i'm old and i thought that's what you're supposed to do bye I think that culture doesn't exist where people give up their chairs unless it is someone who is 
obviously right. requiring it like someone pregnant like we don't have that oh, like so, hand for I've right. so, it's like, so it's like if you've so it makes it look like you've wet the, te- the, the chair like offering it up wet the what chair. have you done to that chair why are you giving me that chair <laughs> I remember there was a uh, like an argument on a train a few years ago that was in the media. Um, it, there were some young folks sitting down. Small people got on the train, and they were like, "They were like, aren't you going to give up your seat?" And the young guy was like, "No, piss off!" Because I've worked all day to pay for your pension because the economy's in ruin. And it was quite an interesting situation. Like the the young folks yeah. were like angry because they felt they were funding the old people and paying for their pensions. Right. And uh, the old people were like, young people these days are rubbish. Rawr. So it created some some sort of tension. But uh, no, fundamentally, Chris, I guess that culture just isn't as common over here for yeah. whatever reason. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Sad. Yeah, Scott. Got one from Scott. Scott. I will read the one from Scott then. Hi, Chris and Pete. My name is Scott. We were already aware of that piece of information, uh, Chris and, and Pete. Uh, we were already aware of that information, Scott, because I read the end of the podcast uh, email first. Um, I'm writing to uh, to you from sunny at Southeast London. Big fan of the podcast. It was an invaluable resource when me and my partner were tra- planning our trip to Japan back in 2018. We were set to return in November 2020, but I think it's a safe bet to say it's being postponed to next year. So roll on December 2021, we say. Um, after hearing Chris, Chris's story of the spontaneous gifts he's received from strangers during his time in Japan. I want to share with you an anecdote of just uh, such an experience I had in Nikko, which I hope you'll find amusing. After walking through Nikko, I decided to duck into a small off-license as I was on the hunt for a reasonably priced bottle of 12-year single malt Yamazaki whiskey. Alas, there was none to be found at this particular establishment. I couldn't even find a bottle at the Yamazaki distillery the day before, so I'm not sure what I was expecting. I did, however, purchase a bottle of Nikka from the barrel uh, from the sweet elderly lady who ran the shop, so all was not lost. After bagging up the bottle for me, she held up her hands as if to say, wait there, and she dissipated in the back room, only to return moments later, shuffle to my side of the counter and firmly clasp in my hands uh, sorry, firmly clasped my hands tightly in hers, followed by my partners. Uh, to our surprise, when we opened our palms, we discovered that the shopkeeper had slipped us each a triangle of dairy-style cheese, fortunately still in their foil. A bit confused but grateful nonetheless, we politely accepted our gifts, thanked the generous old lady, and went on our way to enjoy the cheese and whiskey back at our guest house. I was lucky enough to enjoy both slices of swearable cheese as my partner offered uh, opted instead uh, for a can of Asahi premium malt and some crunky herlos. Crunky! We don't talk about enough on the podcast. It is don't. effing delicious. Now, uh, attached here is a photo I took of this curious food and drink pairing, also accompanied by a photo of me delirious on 48 hours without sleep after uh, just having landed in Japan. Shot the by cheap whiskey at Don Quixote in the same quantities you buy wholesale cooking oil back in the UK. Absolutely massive bottle uh, of whiskey, plastic bottle of whiskey he's got in his hands at uh, Don Quixote. I keep it the great way. Your twi- twice weekly dips- dispatches are a real treat in the old podcast feed. Scott Monaghan, thank you very much for getting involved and thank you very much about your story of um cheap cheese and expensive whiskey <laughs> i love that the the shop yeah. staff you got this lovely whiskey that cost an arm and a leg and then the woman was like wait a minute just wait there i'm gonna get you something <laughs> and it just comes out with some like five yen cheese a little mm. crappy five yen spreadable cheese she's like take this cheese enjoy this cheese <laughs> savor it with your whiskey very so odd, odd. So Quite good odd. that cheese though. I had I had a mm. weird addiction to it a few years ago. It's called uh, Snow Snow Brand, and uh, right, it's formidably cheap. And you can get it in every convenience store in Japan, and uh, you can spread it on bread. Or if you're like me and you're a disgusting human being, you just eat it straight. 
straight spreadable There's cheese. There's nothing wrong with eating a Derrily triangle. What I would say is, and that's a phrase I often repeat on this podcast, um, uh, one time I bought what I thought I was buying was um, a wheel of um, spreadable sort of brie-flavoured cheese, but it was actually just butter. Um, and so I did what you did. I, I opened up the foil triangle uh, and chomped away, re- oh. realising uh, too late that it was uh, it was butter. It was bloody butter. That is horrendous. Terrible. What was your reaction after you had the butter oh, in your no. mouth? I've eaten butter, <laughs> was my reaction. This is a disaster. <laughs> I've eaten butter. Uh, Uh, we got one from Detlef Detlef uh, it says hi Chris and Pete I watched your video about what it's like to own a sushi restaurant earlier today uh, unlike Pete and earlier in the video you commented on the lighting in the restaurant which I can't help but think is coming from the filmmaker part of your brain so my question is have there been any locations that were a joy to film at because of the excellent lighting uh, or places that were a pain because of impractical aspects of the location all the best Detlef from NL. Ne- was it Netherlands? Was NL stand for Pete? Um, New Orleans. <laughs> New Orleans. Probably Netherlands. To be honest, Netherlands. probably Netherlands. I don't think there's a state with NL. I- I'm willing to be proved wrong on that one. <laughs> North. Le- no, no. Just, North say, Netherlands. Lebanon. <laughs> That's definitely it. Maybe Northern it's Carlos Ireland. It's Carlos Gain. <laughs> yes, um, maybe it is. Good question. Um, yes, I, I think, no, it wasn't my film pet maker part of my brain. I just find sushi restaurants, a good sushi restaurant is immaculately well lit. Like they have little spotlights to highlight the food, to highlight the chef. It's very kind of ethereal and uh, relaxing. But I've had, I've definitely had some places that were really difficult to film. Uh, interestingly, the most difficult one this year, I'd say, was the bullet train video with Riotro because we ha- I had to expose the interior of the train cabin without blowing out the windows too much because obviously outside the train carriage it was extremely bright, but inside the carriage it was a bit dark. Uh, so that was really hard to film. Also, the, the same kind of thing with the driving video, with the um, the scenes in the recent road trip driving video. It, the car inside the car was dark, but outside the car really bright. Um, so I had to have loads of little lights um, kind of lighting my face hidden just outside the uh, outside the shop in the car, um, which was kind of surreal and annoying. But uh, also Love Hotels, really tricky place to film. The last Love Hotel I filmed in a year ago uh, was just pitch black and really tricky. So, yeah, it's, it's just, there's actually it's pretty hard to find good lighting uh, when you're filming in these sort of places. But, uh, yes, good question. Good question. Mm. Keep the stories, questions, comments, questions, more comments and questions coming in. <laughs> Lots of comments Quebec. and questions coming in. <laughs> JapanPodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back in the next few days. See it all over again, ladies and gentlemen. But for now, no matter where you might be, out there in the big wide world, have yourself a great few days and we'll see you on Sunday. Is it Sunday, Pete? Yeah. yeah it is Sunday. Sunday, it is. Well done, don't, boy. Don't well go done, and drop boy. anything. Don't go and don't drop, drop any more any. avocados. Don't drop any avocados on these AirPods. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network.